welcome to Freelizations. Today we're going to talk about a pretty heavy topic, and that is depression. Grab your waters, let's take a sip. Grab your journal if you have anything that sparks you, if you want to take a note, if you want to journal on something that sits with you that I say later or even during, pause it, let's go. All of this, if something sparks you, if something is just really pulling your attention, we want to figure out why. So don't ignore it. Take a note, jot it down. All right, y'all, here we go. I wanted to talk about depression today because this is something that I never really talked about, but struggled with very much so on my own for a very long time. Uh, the first time I can ever really remember feeling depressed and understanding what it was, was probably about junior high. And I didn't want to tell anybody and I didn't want to say I was depressed because I honestly didn't look like what people told me depression was. Have you ever seen those commercials where uh, somebody is walking through the grocery store and they have a smiley face in front of their face? They're holding it up and it's a mask. They're pretending. And they were just sad all the time and checked out of life all the time. And that's not how I was. And I felt like I would have really long periods where I was very happy and I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel depressed. And then all of a sudden, everything felt like it was weight of the world on my shoulders. And getting out of bed would be a lot harder of a task than what it had originally been in the days before. It got worse as I got older, and I realized that it honestly wasn't until Marco came along and helped me realize how hard it was to work with me in those moments that I really realized I needed to change. Um, I will say, though, that it wasn't always a bad thing. A lot of times when I would be feeling depressed or I would be feeling withdrawn, I needed it. I needed a break. And I realized... <laughs> A lot of my depression wasn't mine. It was things that I was taking on that I shouldn't be taking on. Let's talk about being an empath. When we care so deeply about other people, life can be really hard to live. We hear stories all day long about sadness, about people losing their loved ones, about horrible things happening to great people, things that happen to animals, things that happen 
to the world. It is just full of sad, sad, awful stories. And that makes us realize that could happen to us if it's happening to others. It makes us want to take away pain. We understand. We understand what they would be feeling because we felt something that we relate it to. And when we feel so much for other people, we just want to do anything we can to help. But a lot of us don't learn the proper tools. We don't have them. We don't have any tools when we go into this. All we have is our big, big place of feeling. And our feelings just want to heal. We just want to help. So we dive all in and we do anything that we can. When you have a friend come over or a friend calls you up on the phone and tells you about a really big situation that they're going through, I'm going to give you a really good example. So I was in an abusive relationship, an abusive marriage. And one of my friends had come over and told me that if I didn't leave, she could no longer be my friend in this moment. She let me know that she would always be there for me and that she's always my friend, but she couldn't watch me stay in this. And it hurt her too much to see me being mistreated and not leaving. And it was running her whole life. I understood it right away. And luckily for us, um, I had actually asked her to come over because I was letting her know that I was making an escape plan and I needed her help. And it was my one chance to talk to her where he wasn't around and I was too afraid to text anyone because if he found it, he was um, he was syncing up my phone to things that I didn't know and he was um, he found my plan before to leave and it did not go well so when he left for work I had her come over and she you know we both had the same we were in the same place we both knew I needed to get out and that was her way of showing me how serious it was she helped me. She got me out. Um, it was scary and it was overwhelming and it was awful. Well, fast forward a few years later, I have a friend that was in the same situation. And I did the same thing where I said, I'm taking this on. I'm not sleeping. I am more worried about you than you are yourself. And that got me thinking. It got me thinking about all of the times in my life that I have sat with sadness and taken it on. Have you done this? Does this feel like familiar? Does this feel like something you personally know? Are you like, oh yeah, I'm thinking of situations where I have definitely taken on somebody else's pain and 
it was more painful for me than them. Let's take a sip of water on that. Think about something that has been really, really hard in your life. When I was married to my abusive ex-husband, I'm going to be really honest. When I was in it, I wasn't afraid most of the time. Most of the time, I very much was very happy with the life that we were building. And when it was good, it felt great. But my friends weren't seeing any of the great because they knew the bad that was happening. So for them, they felt like I was just in the bad all the time. At that time, though, I was only in the bad very rarely, so rarely that I stayed. It wasn't until it escalated. It wasn't until we got married and right before we got married and he, I felt him changing, but I didn't feel like I could get out. It didn't feel like I was supposed to go any sooner than I did. And that's a big thing too. People cannot leave situations or move on to the next phase of their lives until they are ready. This is their story. So while we may not understand and we may be so worried and afraid for our friend, it's not our story. If it would have escalated and I stayed longer and something serious happened to me, that would have been my story. It is already written. It was on us. It was all part of what happens with us. I had a hard feeling, though, that I needed to leave. I was no longer going to be happy there. The minute we got married... And I realized why I have such a bad taste about marriage and always have is because for me, the minute I signed that paper, the minute I changed my name, the minute I tie myself to somebody else legally, and I have to involve other people if I want to leave if I want to end, if I want to evolve, if I want to grow without them. I have taken away my ability to have a choice that is fully my own. I have now brought in the government. I have now brought in lawyers, judges. I have brought in everyone else's opinion um, and really, all I want is ours. I want mine, and I want the person that I am in a relationship with. And that is it. I want us to be able to figure it out. And in that case, I didn't really care 
what he wanted because he didn't care that I didn't want him to put his hands on me or throw his toxic words at me. He didn't care about my well-being. He didn't. He can say he did all he wanted, but he didn't. And something clicked. I'll tell you what it was. Most of these things happened when he was really drunk. And I've seen this my whole life where alcoholics losing their shit. It was no big deal to me because I've been a bartender. I grew up in the bar. I grew up around black parties and drinking. Drinking was something that I thought literally the whole world did. So I learned really young how to be great at drinking and how to handle myself in these situations. So when I saw somebody get drunk and losing their stuff, honestly, it was so normal to me and I knew, oh, it'll all be fine in the morning. But one day he was sober and he was leaving for work and he came back into the room where I was working from home and he said, I figured it out. I figured it out why I hate women. And I was shocked. And I said, why? Why do you hate women? I didn't realize that you did. And he said, you're all whores and you all lie. I never lie about anything. In fact, if I try to lie, I <laughs> I can't. I melt down. I start laughing. I start talking fast. It could be about anything, the most minor thing. I just don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good in any way, shape, or form. And I will immediately tell the truth. And that doesn't mean, though, that I couldn't lie because I did have to lie at the end. I did, and he wasn't wrong about that. But he didn't really give me a safe out. And... I learned that the only time that I like lying, that I enjoy lying, and that I will use lying is when my safety or someone else's safety is in danger. I will tell you the best story then with no problem at all. That is self-preservation. It is survival. It is necessary. But I never lie just to lie. I am honest about everything, and I've never cheated. I have never stepped out on a relationship. I am loyal to a T. I won't say to a fault because I think my loyalty is one of the best things about me. But if we're friends, I'm loyal and I am there. So for somebody who is supposed to love me more than anyone in the world and know me better than anyone else, for him to come back and be sober and tell me he knows nothing about me. He's so blinded in his own trauma that he couldn't see me at all. And I was out of excuses now because he was sober. He was sober so it was true. And I realized... It's not my job to make you trust and love women if 
you don't love or trust me, if you think that I am those things, nobody stands a chance. Nobody. I also was so tired of him telling me how bad I was, how I needed to, like watching what I was eating and telling me how to do it better. We would go to the gym and if I was on the elliptical, he would come over and start moving his arms faster and acting like I needed to speed it up. And I was so tired of being beat down and I was so tired of not sticking up for myself but I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe anymore sticking up for myself and I didn't know when that happened. I left and I was afraid for a very long time. And then just when I started to find my peace again and I thought, okay, life makes sense again. I ran into one of my very best friends. Uh, I hadn't seen him in a while. He had moved and oh, we were just the best of friends. He always made me laugh. He was the nicest, nicest, nicest guy. Like he just felt like we understood each other because we were both so genuinely good. I didn't have to worry about anything around him. And when I saw him at the bar, I had met up with some friends of mine. I was scanning the bar because I was terrified. My ex was still trying to stalk me and telling me he was going to come find me. And he was coming here, going to my places. And I was hiding away. I was having panic attacks. I was not good. So that night when I decided to go out and I decided to see my friends and I had a moment of strength and courage and this bravery that was just pumping through my veins. And then I get there. And it was fun, but it wasn't because I was so nervous. And I'm just scanning and scanning and scanning. And then I felt eyes on me and I felt so afraid because I didn't know whose eyes they were. And I look up and I see, I see Jason and I was, I felt like I found myself again. Sorry, this is very hard for me to talk about and uh, I'm not going to deep dive too much into this because you can see how hard it is for me to still talk about <clears throat> But I saw him, and he was in town. He had just moved back, and I didn't know. And we saw each other, and we both lit up, and we almost knocked this poor girl down trying to get to each other to hug it out. And uh, I felt like he brought me with him and I hugged him and it felt like 
all the fun things that I used to do and that fun person that I used to be just came flooding back into my brain. And I missed her and I missed my friend and I was just home. I just felt home again. And we immediately started dating <laughs> and I was not looking to get into a relationship I wanted a whole year that was just about me. But I couldn't say no. I couldn't say no to Jason. Like, it's Jason. And I just, our timing was finally good. And after a decade of trying to make it happen, but just missing each other and being too nervous and all of the things, we were finally gonna do it. We were finally going to be everything I had ever been dreaming of. I was going to get the partner that I always wanted in life. And I was going to have somebody that sees me and makes me better. Helps me be better. I could feel it all over that moment that life was never going to be the same and I was ready. I welcomed it. The judge, when I got divorced, did not care that I was in a domestic violence relationship. The judge drug it out for 90 more days. I was tied to that abusive man for 90 more days. And right when it ended, and right when I had had a little taste of freedom, that was when I saw Jason. And he made me feel brave again. He made me feel strong. I wasn't afraid anymore. In fact, I was kind of like, come for me. Come find me. I will show you what I should have done all along. I was back. And once I wasn't afraid of him anymore at all, he left. He just vanished. And life started feeling really good again. And I was really confident again. And sometimes that's all we need. It's just a reminder of who we really are. Let's take a drink. I'll get into this story more. You'll learn it. But after a few months of dating, Jason died unexpectedly. And um, my whole world was destroyed. And I just felt like nothing would ever be good again. And I got really depressed. So all of those minor feelings of depression that I had dealt with before, and they weren't always minor, but they felt minor now because this was a whole life of not knowing if I was going to be able to get out of bed, not knowing if I would ever 
feel anything except anger and loss and just devastating heartbreak ever again. And I honestly didn't believe that I ever would. So, I spent almost four years alone. I did not date. I did not hold anyone's hand. I did not entertain the idea of anyone ever being in my life again. In that way, that was Jason's spot, and I was never going to give it up. I could smell him. I could feel him. I could hear his laugh. I had dreams about him all the time. One time I went out with some friends and one of my friends that was, um, I had known him for a long time, he took me out on his boat and I didn't realize this until it was too late, but he thought that I was like available now and that we maybe had a chance at dating. I didn't want to hurt his feelings, but I also was so disgusted at the idea of even trying to do that again, to date again. I had to go home. I asked him if he could just turn around. I had to go, and he dropped me off, and he didn't understand. He thought, you know, everything was fine. We were having a good time, and I just got in my car, and I cried the whole way home, and I got home, and this picture frame of all the photos of Jason and I was on the ground. And I had a dream that night that he came back and he didn't tell me. And I went to a party and somebody told me he was there and I was trying so hard to get to him. I was fighting to get to him. And I finally did, and he told me he didn't want to see me ever again. That he couldn't believe I was dating, and I was trying to explain that I wasn't. That was all my trauma in one. It was the abusive marriage that was losing Jason. That was all the horrible things that I had been through in the last six years. Tied into all of it. <clears throat> I started driving around wishing somebody would just take me out or something would fail on my car when I was alone. I thought every day about how I should put a note somewhere so that if it did happen, somebody could find it and somebody could tell whoever took me out or whoever you know, um, whoever was missing me that I wanted this more than I wanted anything in the entire world. I hurt too much. And I wanted them to get it so they weren't sad. And it didn't ruin their whole life. 
Because even through my hardest, hardest, hardest time with depression, I was still an empath. <laughs> I still, while I thought about leaving this world, I still thought about everybody else and how to make it as easy as possible on everybody else. And if somebody did come and hit me and I died, I didn't want that person to spend a lifetime thinking that they took out this wonderful human that had so much life left because I didn't feel that that was true at that time. At that time, I had nothing. I had nothing to give to anyone. I started doing teacher training for yoga because uh, a friend of mine convinced me to start taking yoga classes. And I was like, no, you think I'm going to go? be in a class where I have to be in my thoughts. I will just hysterically cry the entire time. I was actually getting drunk to go to yoga. <laughs> I was getting drunk to go anywhere, honestly, to do anything. I was just getting drunk to run away from everything all day. And I messed up a lot of friendships and a lot of things and a lot of life because I didn't care anymore. I was pushing away everything that mattered because I was trying to leave. And I didn't want anyone to miss me in a big way because I was so in their life. So I just pushed everybody away. But the funny thing is, is that when I started taking yoga classes, I realized I couldn't touch my toes. <laughs> and I used to be an athlete and I didn't know what happened. And that really bothered me. And after about a month of going three times a week, like that was what she told me. You have to go three times a week for a month. And if you still hate it after you've committed to that routine, I'll never ask you to do it again. Sneaky. That was sneaky. <laughs> she knew. But I needed it. And her and I are not in each other's lives anymore. But I will forever be grateful for her and for her giving me such a much-needed lifeline that I did not know at the time was a lifeline or that I needed it. Let's take another drink. I started taking teacher training for yoga because I'm hard of hearing and I can't wear my ear in class because it's so hot. So I was lost 
a lot. And that was very, very stressful for me and very frustrating. I was definitely not in a place where I was good about my hearing loss. I didn't talk about it. I pretended it wasn't really a thing. And I wanted to know more. So I thought if I took teacher training, I would understand more of the movements and it would help me more. It was never about teaching for me. It was about, I was just obsessed with yoga and I didn't really know why. And I, I needed more. All I knew was for the first time in so long, I felt something new in my chest. And it was like a really light version of butterflies. It made me a little nervous. It made me a little uncomfortable. But I wanted to know more. And I walked in there. I wiped out my bank account. I walked in there with every last penny to my name to a studio I had never been to with people that I had never met before. And I walked in and I said, I'm hard of hearing and I don't know if teacher training is right for me or if you have tools for me, but if you think it's okay, I want to sign up. And she said, okay, let's go. Let's do it. We'll learn together. And I was so excited. And it was a small class. She told me it was the smallest class they'd ever had. It was just me and two other girls. It was everything that I needed and more. Man. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to get all emotional on you all today, but that is where we are. Teacher training was pretty awful, actually. Like, um, the whole purpose of teacher training seemed to be to break us down and make us cry every single day and tell us how terrible we were at absolutely everything from one individual. The rest, though, all of the instructors were incredible, and I noticed really quick that she did the same thing to the instructors where we thought they were amazing and they were changing our lives. She was coming in and just crapping all over everyone. She wasn't building anyone. She was breaking everyone down. But the way that we all rose together and the trauma we went through together it just bonded us in ways that I'll be friends with these people forever. If I haven't talked to them in a year, they could call me up out of the blue and be like, I need you. I would leave. I would get in my car. I would meet them wherever they needed me. Every single last one of them. My class, my instructors, I'd be there. They were everything. And they really pulled me out of the worst time in my life. And they made things so fun again. And they they didn't care that I was just sad. They didn't care that I would just start crying. In fact, they encouraged it. And I'm so grateful. <laughs> wow.
We talked about life. We talked about what really mattered. We just helped build each other every day. And I basically lived at that studio. My son's dad and his mom really, really, really like just picked it up and helped me with my son, with our son. <laughs> and everyone just started understanding. My mom was my absolute best friend. She put up with the most for sure. <laughs> and I think about that all the time because as a mom, watching your child break Watching your child be absolutely devastated and knowing there is nothing that you can do to make it better. Aside from losing me, I don't know that I could have put her through something worse. And... She just wrote it like a champ. <laughs> she was just so awesome. And she was just there. And uh, everyone that stayed in my life, everyone that was able to kind of rally against me pushing them away, just loved me through the worst time in my life. And they just loved me all the way through. They didn't judge me. They didn't hold it against me. They wanted to fix me, but they knew they just had to let me ride this out. And they never made me feel like I was wrong for how I was feeling. It was just tough, and they let me know that too. But they were just there whatever way they could be, and I'm so grateful. So when we have these really big feelings of, I can't get out of bed, or life will never get better, my life is absent of any depression. I never feel depression anymore. I feel sad. Sometimes days are harder than others, but I always want to be here. I never want anyone to hit me anymore in my car. I'm never hopeful that I don't wake up the next morning. Now I literally live every day just grateful for another. I'm grateful that I made it through the hardest time of my life to date. I'm happy that I'm here to be an advocate for those who feel the way I felt or they feel their own version. And I can show you. You can get through it. Not only can you get through it, but your life can be bigger and better than you ever even knew.
It's not fun when life pulls the rug out from under us and shows us that everything we thought we knew is nothing. We know nothing. We can control nothing. Our story is already written. And that was always going to happen. There is not one single thing that if I would have changed it, it would have been any different. Because I didn't know. And I would have never known then what I know now. But if I wouldn't have made it, I would have never known. I got really lucky with Marco and when he came along I was terrified that he would die. I would check his like it, when he was sleeping I would literally be making sure he was breathing. Um, if he didn't answer at a time he was normally awake I would be so afraid I was like that's it he's dead like seven days into dating I think I called him and he didn't answer and it was morning and I thought he didn't wake up just like Jason I called one of my best friends the same one that came over when I was leaving my abusive ex and I was just gonna tell her hey I'm a little bit worried and I just fell apart the second we were talking, and I told her he was dead. I told her that I was never going to have a life of good things. And she talked me off a ledge, and when he called me, I was a mess, and I told him everything. And against all advice and everything that I knew to hide it, I told him everything. And... He said to me, what can I do to help you not feel this way? He didn't tell me I was crazy. He didn't say, oh, whoa, stage five clinger, I'm not doing this. He just asked me what I needed, what he could do to help. And when I started having really big bouts of depression to where I wasn't getting out of bed still, because honestly, most of my depression came from me not being able to use my words, me not being able to not take on others' emotions. And I was filling up with all this sadness and negativity. But then I didn't know how to use my words, so I had nowhere to release it so I was just holding it all and I was holding everyone's pain and I was having so much physical pain in my body headaches for years I literally felt like I was dying from the inside out from all of this pain and sadness and I just don't handle stress well it, it ruins me so I had to look at the bigger picture and I I had to figure it out and um, when I started coaching and I went to school, I was thrown into healing my trauma in a very rapid, like a very rapid rate. 
and I didn't know how to heal it while also handling depression. And I started getting nervous again. I started pushing Marco away again. I started wanting to hide away and be all by myself again. And he just told me, we're not doing this anymore. You're getting out of bed and you're using your words. I will not be in another relationship like this. He's had a lot of experience with this too. He told me, you're better than this. Use your words and talk to me and tell me. We are going to handle this together and you are not going to ruin this. You are not going to self-sabotage. You don't let me do it. I won't let you do it. And that's what I needed. And I am a big ball of nervous energy and I was crying and I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like if I told him how I was feeling, I would just combust or life as I knew it would end. I don't know what I thought would really happen, but it felt huge and it just felt like wrong and not to do it. I know now I was just so afraid because I've never let anybody in like that. Everybody always kind of left before then or I left or things changed or I had just never been here with a partner and I didn't know what the other side looked like. So instead of seeing that the other side could actually be great, all I could see was what I knew and that every time something big changes, it's awful. Somebody dies, somebody leaves, somebody's sad. It's it's just a whole life of bad when things change. And this time I realized it wasn't. And he started helping me kick down these doors. And I started using my words and I started getting in front of my feelings. And I stopped taking on other people's pain and sadness and I started learning how to help them help themselves the way that I was helping myself I realized that is where everything changes let's go ahead and take a drink This has been a really, a really big episode and I'm going to break it into two for you. The next one is going to be all about how to get in front of our feelings, what I did, what that started looking like, and I'm just going to take you through it. I'm just going to show you so that if any of this feels relatable, if it feels familiar, maybe it'll help put into perspective what you need next, what you need right now. And if you still don't know, this is why I'm a coach. This is why I'm here. Life is better than I ever knew it possibly could be right now. It's not perfect. I have a world of stress on my shoulders. My partner has a world of stress on his shoulders. But none of it matters anymore. 
And if we can all get here, life would be a lot better. And I'm going to talk about why. Let's take one more drink. Let's take a breath. Attitude is really everything. And life is really anything we make it. Sit with this story a little bit and feel where it took you. I don't want your sadness for me. I'm through it. Well, I'm working through it, but I'm okay. I'm okay now. I'm not where I was all those years ago. I don't need anyone to be sad for me or to have their heart broken for me. What I really need from my story is if your heart broke listening to that. I want to know why. For you. Why was it so hard for you? What parts of this story did you feel so deeply that you felt like you could fix it? That you felt like you could take it? That you felt like it stayed with you? What stories of your life came up? When have you related a feeling to something that I just made you feel today? That's what I want to know. That's what I want you to know. I want you to listen. I want you to lean in. I want you to ask yourself questions. I want you to find gratitude that you found your way through those bases. And if you're in that place right now, I want you to realize there's this whole other side and you just have to keep hanging on just a little bit longer. If you need help, I want you to ask for it. To me, to a friend, to anyone you feel comfortable. I want my story to matter. I want my story to change who you are by making you take a look at your own life, to see things differently, to expand your mind, to know that you're not alone. Look at what I'm doing with my story. It's unique. Even if your story looks almost identical to mine, it's so different. And even if you're like, wow, I feel all of these things, but my story is nothing like yours. That's the whole point. Because whatever you've specifically been through is designed for you to find purpose and passion and help the world to turn it into something 
good so that you can use it so that you can help change these things for other people so that you can break these patterns and never have to be here again. Our stories are literally everything. Let's take a breath. Grab one more drink. Everything passes. Everything. If you just hold on. <sighs> Thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to bring you part two and just show you a bit about how I started really getting in charge of my life when it came to my emotions how I started defeating depression, and how I started flipping the script. So, I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that, I hope that this helps you heal. I hope it brings things to light that you maybe weren't even aware were there. And I'm always here. You can DM me, you can leave a comment, I have the Facebook group, Brain Games. That group is amazing. You can talk about anything you want there. You can find me on all social media at JustBreeHLC. I have the website, JustBreeHLC.com, where everything is linked to it. Seriously, we are all in this together. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. We make the world better. Share your stories. Share my story. If you know someone that needs me, send them my way. Send them these podcasts. Send them the books. Whatever it is, we're all here. Thank you so much, guys. Um, you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe, all of the good things. Drink your water and love on yourself. Breathe, guys. I'll see you next time.